Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fort Edmonton, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. Want to tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Uh, we'll tell you that uh, Brendan and Chris, tell them what now sent you. Uh, momentarily, we will be hooking up, uh, <laughs> hooking up with John Shannon here. You can text us at any time on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Boomer has texted the show. Bob, any truth to the Kessel and Subban rumors? I have to say, I really don't like the idea of either one. Says Boomer. PK likes to refer to himself as the PK Subban brand. I don't like it or him. Kessel has a history of being the last one on first, uh, last one in, first one off at practice. Both are bad influences and locker room distractions. Boomer. See, Boomer, here's, I, I always find this interesting. Like, people sit there, like, and even once in a while, it even catches me by surprise here in town because you'll have people that claim to know what's going on in the Oilers dressing room. And, um, you know, I, I traveled virtually the entire season last year with the club, and you know, because we alternate Jack Michaels and and Cam on the radio play-by-play because of Jack's television commitments, uh, made most of the trips the entire year. I don't know everything that goes on, and I'm also not in the dressing room. Uh, I can tell you that I've talked to lots of guys about Phil Kessel over the years, and they all say he's a pretty good guy and a. A different guy, a unique guy, but not a guy that is disliked. Subban has a big personality. There's no question about that. Would they be locker, you know, I don't know. As it stands right now, I think it'd be, I don't know whether or not it would make sense for the orders. I mean, they're they're up. We had Ken Holland on the show when we came back off holidays on Monday's edition of Oilers Now. And the reality of the situation is, you know, Ken said that Ryan McLeod deal is going to get done. He might do something else. What I'd suggest to you is I know for a fact there's multiple players that would like to come here right now. Players want to go where they think there's a chance to win. And the general perception out there is that Edmonton's probably a top eight team now, especially now that they got Jack Campbell. Uh, they've pretty much added Brett Kulak, who 
was outstanding last year in the playoffs for the Oilers, was the best defensive defenseman they had. And he and Tyson Berrio, by the way, were very good um, in the playoffs and elevated Barry's performance. And we all know what sort of addition Evander Kane was. Like this team has added Hyman and Kane up front, but they've also added McLeod. Uh, to their forward group, and then, you know, okay, they, they brought in Keith, he's retired, but Bouchard took a significant step forward last year. I think he was 11th in the league in 5-on-5 five five scoring by defenseman. Uh, and then Kulak coming in pretty much replaces, um, you know, Brett Kulak pretty much is going to replace Duncan Keith and, and probably, frankly, did a, a better job defending the blue line than Keith did at times. I don't think you can deny the, the leadership that Keith brought or the ability of, his, I mean, the guy can pass the buck. You know, he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, and we'll see where Broberg goes. And now they have Jack Campbell in goal, uh, who I think we all know is a healthier option um, than than Mike Smith. So the general perception is Edmonton's probably a top eight team, team, team this year. As Ken Holland alluded to, they were in the Final Four last year. You're on the tube every second night when nobody else is playing. So... Do I believe that the Kessel camp or the Subban camp might be looking at Edmonton all day? But those guys are probably looking for a million and a half plus, and the Oilers don't have that right now. I think given Edmonton's young defenseman coming, if I was to pick a positional need, I'd probably look at forward over defense. Now, I put a tweet out today on, you know, today's Sam Gagne's birthday. And a lot of people said, bring him back. You know, would he come in on a one-year deal at 750? Yeah, I think he would. Uh, right shot, but he played mostly right wing last year. Little known fact on Sam Gagne. He was sixth in the NHL last year in time on ice for forwards on the penalty kill. Now, Detroit didn't have a great penalty kill, but Sam Gagne's reinvented himself two or three times. Sam Gagne would be the most seamless of players that Edmonton could bring in. He was a very popular teammate. Uh, he's low maintenance, and he understands his role. Johan Larson, I mentioned him yesterday. He's a left shot. Gagne is a right shot. Uh, Larson's a 50% face-off guy. He's played basically center. There's some belief that Larson it was connected to Pittsburgh and something fell through there, and uh, that didn't ultimately come to fruition. So could a guy like Larson be out there? Probably. I think what's happened is the market's so tight that the same opportunities aren't there for players in the past, especially a certain class of players. And we're going to bring aboard our NHL insider, John Shannon, for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling, you need Legacy Heating and Cooling. Get uh, Yeah, um, that's how you build a Legacy Legacy Heating and Cooling. All right, John, how you doing? I'm great, Bob. Sorry I'm late. No, well, you you gave me a heads up. We moved you up by an hour uh, to get Glenn Anderson in today. Uh, speaking well, of Glenn, Glenn Anderson, Anderson, yes. I mean, as if it, come on, as if it's somebody important or something. Come on now. Well, yesterday it was Wayne because it was the anniversary of the trade, and today Glenn Anderson's in town. He's still 30-plus years doing the uh, Glenn Anderson Golf Tournament for the Cross Cancer. It's an awesome commitment on his part. Uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, you, you covered those series in the 80s, and come crunch time, the money player often was Glenn Anderson, wasn't it? Well, listen, there were that, that's a team that had so many tools uh, that they could, they could, you know, carve you up any way they wanted. And uh, I, I, what I don't think people understand, and this is something I, I you know, I, even when we were doing the games, that we understood Glenn Anderson's speed, 
because it was remarkable. I don't think we understood how big Glenn was and how muscular Glenn was and how when he turned that corner and went to the net, it was remarkable. Uh, and, and, and the, you know, when, when you, when you, Bob, when you have two number one lines, let's face it, you had two number one lines, uh, and, and the competition wasn't necessary with the other team. It was the competition between the two lines who could stay on the ice longer. And Glenn Anderson was part of that. It was, it was a remarkable time to watch a hockey team. And, and Glenn was certainly a, uh, a big part of that team. And then a big part of the Ranger team in 94 that Kevin was a part of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had this conversation. I mentioned that Mark Messier busted his ankle during the 85-86 season and some of the highest scoring goals uh, games in Oilers history happened that year. And Glenn Anderson ended up on the wing with Yerry Curry and Wayne Gretzky. They loaded up the top line, and the, you know, and they could score. <laughs> you know what? And yep. uh, and so I threw this out there. You, you talked about having two number one lines. the The general consensus is well, with you know Leon Drysaddle healthy, McDavid and Drysaddle center their own lines. But just for you know what's in giggles, how do you think a line of Evander Kane with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle would do if they played? 87% of the time, five on five, like the Kachuk, Lindholm, Goodrow did, uh, line did last year for the Flames. Oh, I, I think it would be remarkable. Um, and I think that what would really come to fore in so many ways, and every Oiler fan knows this, is when Leon Dreisaitl, who in my mind is one of the top three passers in the game, if Leon Dreisaitl had two targets of that skill to send the puck to, the options that would give him, it would, it, 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 it would be an absolute phenomenal scoring line. You wonder, could, could we, you know, how many assists could Dreisaitl have w with those two guys on, on the line constantly? How many, point, how many points would Connor have? I mean, that would... When you think about it, and and I mean, would be if, if the line stayed together for as long as you suggested, would be if Kane didn't get the fifty goals, would it would it be viewed as a failure? You well, know, that's well, the that's three guys, amazing. The, the three guys in Calgary combined for one hundred and twenty-four goals last year. Okay, and the Flames don't have the Oilers' power play. I mean, the Oilers have gone. Nope. They were the Oilers were third last year. It was an off season for them. The two years before that, they were first and first in the NHL with one of the best power plays in the last forty years. I think the second or third best power play of all time. So here's where I'm going. I mean, Leon's the only one between McDavid and Kane that have had a fifty goal season. And Leon's done it mm -hmm. twice. Connor's hit the forty goal plateau. Kane never has. I think it'd be a slam dunk. Kane would get forty. I think McDavid, it, that's if they played them together. People say, oh, they'd have to score 150 goals because the other lines, well, wait a sec. You got Hyman, who's a pretty industrious player, pretty effective player. You know, could he not play if Nugent Hopkins and say Paul Yervy, as an example in that scenario? And then you're going, uh, you know, and then you're rolling with uh, McLeod, Fogel, and uh, Yamamoto, as an example. And those guys are, there's they spend a lot of time around each other, those three players. And, you know, McLeod's ready to take another step. I, it's just fun to kind of I, – I, I realize most people think that we're going to end up with Nugent Hopkins, John, with uh, Drysaddle and Yamamoto, and it's going to be Hyman with McDavid and Kane. But I would kind of, you know, just for fun, just throwing it out there, especially on a day in which, you know, I think back to Glenn Anderson getting loaded up with uh, Curry and Gretzky. 
yeah, why not? Why not sort of think about what could happen there? Well, and, and you, you know, this is a team that when you talk about it, what you, you mentioned something there in talking about Ryan McLeod ready to make, make the next step. Um, the value of playoff games and the value of playoff experience and seeing the growth of players. You know, uh, Yamamoto did not have the most successful playoff, but you know he's going to be better this year. Ryan McLeod did have a great playoff, and you know he's going to be better. You hope you have your fingers and toes crossed that that Yessa will be in that same boat, that he will he will get to it another level. So when you're talking about this team and you're talking about, you know, three lines deep now, you're talking about how invaluable going to the third round is. And sure, they got swept by the Stanley Cup champion. But I'll tell you what, to get them there, to get them through three rounds of playoffs, those players are going to be better. And it, it, it is a classic case of the rich getting richer and those players being better when October comes for Jay. All right. Uh, some tough news involving Borea Salmi, John Shannon. You know, it, it, it really is. Um, you know, and... and uh, there's a, a, another former Maple Leaf, a, a teammate of his, Mark Curtin, who played in Vancouver a little bit, uh, still has lots of friends around the National Hockey League, played in Detroit a bit, was known as a Maple Leaf and played for the Peter Peets at the OHL. Uh, Mark is going through ALS as well, and to know that Borea Salming, who um, was such a huge factor for the Maple Leafs uh, through the 1970s, uh, has now been stricken with ALS. It's It, it really is... Uh, it has been a little numbing for people in in the hockey world in this part of the country. Uh, Salming uh, arguably was the greatest defenseman ever to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. Uh, much tougher than people realized. Unbelievable offensive skill, strong defensive skill, um, and f- for for many, when you consider the abuse that he took, being that quote-unquote chicken swede uh, for the the first three or four years of his career here um, truly became one of the great players and and let's be honest when you talk about Swedish defensemen Swedish defensemen that play today uh, in many ways and I know there were people before him but the fact that Salming got to the National Hockey League and played as effectively as he did he became the poster child of Swedish defensemen you know, when Nick Lidstrom talks about greatness and inspiration, he talks about Borea Salming. Uh, and I'm sure that's the case for guys like Eric Carlson, uh, and probably Oscar Kleffbaum, uh, and, and, and the role that Salming played in being a guiding light of, of defensemen uh, from, from Sweden to play in the NHL. But it's really, it really is sad news. Uh, that to hear that he has been stricken with ALS. Yeah, uh, let's take it a little bit further. I brought this up a little bit uh, with Brendan uh, when around 12:25, uh, when he uh, mentioned the story on NHL Today for Elite Promotional Marketing, John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. As you know, I was not a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers in the 1970s, and the Maple Leafs played the Flyers in back-to-back playoff years at the height. Yep absolute height of the Broad Street Bullies, and here's where you educate our listeners about Roy McMurtry and all the stuff that went on between Philadelphia and Toronto, because those were highly publicized, uh, highly viewed series, and it was not pretty hockey. 
No, it wasn't. Um, and and quite frankly, uh, it was when you talk about the height of the Flyers' um, goonism uh, and uh, and Fred Shiro's philosophy of beating people on the ice and 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 the art of intimidation with your fists, um, which is something that ownership endorsed because they were pushed around early in the 1970s, but it got to the point where they tried to push the Maple Leafs around and did effectively, uh, that the Ontario provincial government and the Attorney General, Roy McMurtry, got involved in, and created some court cases and charged uh, players, not only from the Flyers, but from the Detroit Red Wings. Dan Maloney, the late Dan Maloney, was charged uh, with, for an on-ice uh, uh, incident with Brian Glennie. Uh, in, in, in this in the same period of time um, it, it was a it was a place and time where we wondered where the game was going um, and the Flyers won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups Salming was a part of the, a Maple Leaf team that you're right seemed to, <laughs> seemed to play them a lot in the playoffs uh, and if not for the success of the Montreal Canadiens in the last four years of the of the 1970s uh, who, in, in, in essence, eliminated the Flyers with their, with their style, uh, that they were tough, but they were faster, and they couldn't be caught. Uh, we might be talking about a different style of hockey in the NHL right now. So, it, 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 you know, Salming was, a, Salming was a victim of that abuse no on, question. A, on a nightly basis around, around the NHL. You do wonder, Bob, and I'm not trying to stir the pot, you do wonder... Um, you know, with concussion issues uh, in professional sports uh, and ALS and the incurable aspect of ALS is there's any role in the amount of concussions players have and, and physical abuse that players take that is there a correlation between ALS and it? Because ALS is something that we see prevalent in a lot of sports uh, and you wonder the amount of, of uh, athletes that uh, are inflicted with it uh, is there something to be said for for that, or is it just because we know who these guys are and they have ALS, we make the correlation? And Lou Gehrig, right? There you go. There's a, I mean, that's the, kind well, of where it started that's from. The, it's called the Lou Gehrig's disease because the great Yankee first baseman was the one afflicted with it and made it so much more public than anyone else. The Iron Horse. All right. So, um... I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
just I'm going to take it one step. So this this happened in back to back years, and I remember I mentioned Dave Hunt. The the, the Leafs ended up bringing. Uh, did they not have uh, Walker at that point? They brought him in. Kurt Walker brought brought up. Yeah. Dave Dunn. Uh, Dave Dunn did a number on the Hound. That was awesome because uh, he was. He had, the, he had remember the, the helmet he had. He had that ugly old oh man, and he's right out of the University of Saskatchewan, and he just pounded the crap out of the Hound. It was awesome. But uh, I, there is a there is not that you like fighting or anything. Well, John, actually, I want to. I want to. You mentioned the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. And I don't know if the tape exists, but you know the legendary story about the Canadians and the Flyers at the start of the 75-76 season. So are you talking Larry Robinson? Larry, not, not, the, not the brawl in 73-74 that was on CBS. I'm talking... It, NBC, the, but that's okay. It was on NBC? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm talking about a preseason game that concluded preseason. Montreal and Philly played back-to-back. The first night they played in Montreal, the second night they played in Philly. And the Canadians, as you know, had an extensive farm system at that time. Uh, Nova Scotia was an absolute powerhouse in the American Hockey League. And they they had their 11th toughest guys in their organization dressed. Uh. And, and, like, Larry Robinson's told the story. Like, take your pick. We had everybody, and we went into Philly... And that pretty much ended it. As and I, again, I, there's no video of that it's never appeared on YouTube. But Moose Dupont was, you know, tapping out. That's how bad it was for the Flyers. Well, we we never really appreciated um, as, as great as that Canadians team that Scotty coached. We never really appreciated how tough they were. Period. Uh, beyond, you know, the speed of Lafleur and Shot and Lemaire. But you're right. I mean, Larry Robinson was no, uh, he, he was not shy. Rick Chartres <laughs> was not shy. You know, there, there, was a, there was a toughness and a size to Canadians in those days that they would physically beat you up. Uh, maybe not with fists, but with body checks, finish your, finish your check, take your man. Um, and you walked out of a game and you skated off the ice from a game with Montreal you were battered and bruised because not only they were, were they fast, not only were they skilled, but they were very, very tough. John, I know you know TV as well as anybody. Uh, final one, and it's a curveball for you, but just so everybody knows this, when you do your hits on this show, we never talk before because that's part of... I don't even know your name. So. Yeah, well, I, apparently that's the case because I've never been on your podcast. Uh, does it pay? Anyhow, uh, so here we go. Are you Are you watching this reconfiguration of the broadcasting uh, relationships with, with the NCAA and the conferences. Oh. With, it is, is it crazy or what? It is crazy. unbelievable. The money that is being tossed around the SEC and, and, and hockey in Canada, it's, it, it's a big deal here, right? You know what yeah. college football means to people in the southeast part of the United States. That SEC package yep. Yep. is moving off of CBS and there are, like, like the the Big Ten is is reconfiguring and adding adding USC. <laughs> yeah, really? Well, well, it, it, this has all become. I mean, this is now a second tier of pro sports. Let's face it. Absolutely. With the with the, with the fact now that athletes, college athletes, can now get name, image, and likeness uh, residuals. Uh, it has changed the whole landscape. What's also changing, Bob, is that um, 
the over-the-air networks, CBS, NBC, uh, to a lesser extent ABC because they're married to ESPN, uh, is that they're finding it much more attractive to make money from college sports than there is the professional sports. And, and, and particularly when it comes to football of any ilk in the United States. Football is now such a driver uh, of, of rights fees, uh, not only college football, but obviously the NFL, which is the, you know, it, it's the pinnacle. But college football now has become such a prosperous uh, network profit center uh, that that's why this is happening and when you can now have leagues let's face it they're leagues that we call them conferences but they you have leagues they're leagues now when, yes they're leagues you know and in three time zones uh, they're not they're not regional anymore uh, then you know even the SEC isn't really regional anymore when you consider where some of the teams are playing in in the central time zone yep um, it, it it's it's remarkable but it all goes back to how much money networks can generate and we got to keep away from the other guy and the fact that the big ten at one point in the last week the the rights fee for the big ten was going to be three hundred and fifty five million dollars a year and the SEC was fifty five million dollars a year and you know how much the SEC drives everything in the United States, so it's it's a it's a phenomenal horse race we're watching in the United States when it comes to television. You know, we talked we we talked about the U.S. for about the last five minutes here, and we didn't even mention you know Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> well, no, because uh, there's a padlock on the door, and the FBI can't get in yet. There we go, John. Great stuff. Thanks, man. Have a great day, Bob. You bet. That is John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Do want to mention to you at 1257 in Edmonton. All season long, the Oilers Now Injury Reporter brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Trent Brown, uh, Jim Brown, the gang, and James H. Brown uh, heavily invested in the uh, sports communities in the city of Edmonton. Uh, Trent, obviously, a former All-Star CFL safety. We are going to go off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson and when we return David Staples from the Cult of Hockey